from the National Press Club in Washington, D.C., this is Update One, the club's official podcast. It features newsworthy stories originating from the NPC facilities, as well as broader topics related to journalism, communications, press freedom, and transparency. Thanks so much for joining us. I think we can give you uh, control of the screen if, okay. if you want to go that route. Just to give a quick preface on Edison Research, I'm Melissa Kishi with Edison Research. And Edison Research, for those of you that are unfamiliar, the two things that you might know us for is that we do all of the election exit polling for the news networks. We work with ABC, NBC, CBS, and CNN. And then on the other side of things, we do lots of audio research. We started as a radio research company, really focusing on terrestrial radio, the good old AM, FM kind. And then as audio has changed and become very digital and, and changed, uh, and podcasting became a big part of that audio research, we decided that we needed to, to in also include research on, on podcasting. So what I have here is three different types of research that we do. Um, we have our infinite dial study, which is a publicly facing study. It's available on our website. So any of this information is available to you guys or to any of your colleagues that really focuses on the landscape, the podcast landscape. And then we come down all the way to our last study, which is our Edison podcast metric study, which actually ranks individual podcasts and networks, which is kind of the, the juicy stuff that we have a lot of journalists follow up with us about. So the latest podcast research from the full landscape to the extreme close-up. So as I mentioned, our infinite dial study, we are 22 years in on our infinite dial study. It is a study of all things digital media. So podcasting is just a part of that. But uh, 22 years ago when podcasting was not a thing, we were doing a lot of uh, research on terrestrial radio, but then also digital audio when it came, came into play. Uh, so as far as the infantile goes, when it comes to podcasting, we started asking questions about podcasting back in 2006. So 2006 was way before podcasting would be considered popular in any way. It was long before serial. Uh, so in 2006, we had a very smart colleague that said, I do this thing called podcasting. I'm listening to it on my iPod. I'm downloading it onto my iPod and I'm listening. And I think we should start tracking it. And so that is indeed what we did. 2006, we started asking the question, are you familiar with the term podcasting? So not have you ever listened or are you familiar, but just are you familiar with the term? So back in 2006, 22% of the US population 12 plus said they were familiar with the term. And really for a long time, it rose, but in fits and spurts. Then you look at 2015, 2014, 2015, that is when Serial hit. When Serial came into play, it's when it became a little bit more mainstream. And then over that time is when we really started to see those percentages climb. And now here we are in 2022 with 79% or 226 million Americans 12 plus that say they're familiar with the term podcasting. You know, in addition to serial over the last few years, it's it's Hollywood, right? Everybody in Hollywood has certainly be, become involved in podcasting in some way, shape, or form. So it's just getting lots more money than it ever did. And certainly the content has changed. The content back in 2006 was pretty focused on, you know, middle age, certainly not as diverse as the content that we're seeing now. And so as that has changed and the diversity has grown, we're seeing the familiarity grow as well. 
we see a familiar pattern with people who say they've ever listened to a podcast. Back in 2006, 11% saying they've ever listened to a podcast. And now here we are in 2022 with 62%. So six in 10 Americans, 12 plus, saying they've ever listened to a podcast. This monthly podcast listening industry-wide is the one that people track the most. So this is the pe people saying they've listened to a podcast in the last month. Back at, in 2008, when we first asked this question, it was 9%. It grew again, fits and spurts. 19, 20, 21 climbed very high to 41%. That was the highest that we had seen it. When we presented this back in March at one of our big podcast con conferences, and we presented this 38% number, the whole conference had this collective sigh. Oh no, this is it. You know, we're going down. We've kind of reached peak, but we have pretty good explanation as to why this is the case. The pandemic is a huge factor here. In 2021, we had a lot of people trying podcasting and listening to podcasting and doing things that might not be part of their normal media appetite. Some people stuck with it, not everybody stuck with it. They went back to their previous habits. And we do think that's why we went still up from 2020, but a little bit down from 2021. We can take the same data and we can look at this broken out by the different age groups. So the 35 to 54s have always been a real big core of podcast listening. And we still saw an increase between 2021 and 2022 here. The 12 to 34s, if you think about the pandemic, they were the most impacted with their behaviors. They were not in school. They potentially were not at work. And so they attempted and tried different types of media behaviors that now that they're back in school, they're back in work, they may not necessarily have the same sort of time for. Content-wise, these 55 pluses, that is where the content is starting to increase. There is definitely more interest in this or in appealing to this age group with the type of content that's coming out. Monthly podcast listeners still leaning more heavily men. So 53% of monthly podcast monthly podcast consumers are men. This is way better than it was 10 years ago. If we looked at the same chart 10 years ago, it would be closer to 70% men and 30% women. So we've come, come a long way over the last 10 years or so. Similar here with ethnicity, I already talked about diversity of content, and that diversity of content is driving diversity in the population of listeners. Back in 2012, we had 68% of listeners were white, and here we are in 2022, it's down to just under 60%, which with many more African-American and Latino listeners joining the ranks. So what we know about podcast listeners is that once they become podcast listeners, they become fairly voracious in their listening. So once they're listening, they're on average listening to eight different podcasts over the course of an individual week. Now we're going to just move on to our share of ear study. This is a little bit different. This is a diary study where we're measuring all of the time that people are spending with audio. And we are looking at the type of audio that they're listening to. So is it radio? Is it serious? Is it podcasts? Where they're listening to that audio, home, work, car, truck, the type of content that they're listening to, and then the device that they're doing listening on. And what we're able to do with this is we're able to take a look at the amount of time that people are spending listening to podcasts versus any other type of audio content. So back in 2014, when we first started this study, when you looked at the course of one day, which is about four hours of audio listening on average, 1% of that time was going to podcasting. 
Now, here we are in Q2 in 2022. Now, 6% of that time is going to podcasting. It's still small, but that's still a pretty big part of someone's audio diet during the day. And when you start to look at different demographics, you can see that you know younger people are spending more time with podcasting than older peer people. If you look at spoken word, which is means take out all the music, pretend that there's no music listening and we're only thinking about podcasts, audiobooks, talk radio, things along those lines. In 2014, when you thought about all of the time that people were spending with spoken word audio, 4% of that time was going to podcasting. Now here we are in Q2 2022, 21% of people's time listening to spoken word audio is going to podcasts. If you think about the amount of time that 13 to 24-year-olds are, are spending listening to spoken word audio, only 15% of that time is going to AM, FM radio. 35% of their time is going to podcasting. If you looked at that 55 plus age group, this chart would be completely flipped. There'd be way more AM, FM radio listening compared to podcasts. So those 13 to 24s, as they become our 25 to, to 54s, it's really going to change the percentage overall of time that people are spending. Lastly, this is all the, the fun, juicy stuff. We have our Edison podcast metric study. This is a daily study that's in the field for us where we ask weekly podcast listeners to tell us all of the shows that they listen to, in addition to a lot of other demographic questions as well. It's the only comprehensive study of the reach of podcast networks. Within the industry, there are tons of rankers, but all of those rankers are opt-in. So they don't include every single player in the space, which is why we thought that this survey methodology was really important for the industry. So we can get the reach and awareness of individual podcasts plus uh, individual podcast networks and, and advertisers. And as I mentioned, it's, it's all inclusive, it's totally comprehensive, and we are measuring listening. So if you've, if you've followed any sort of uh, podcast, um, podcast fodder over the last couple of weeks or so, there's been a lot to say about the differencing differences between listening and downloading. So the industry for a long time has been very focused on downloads, and that is how advertising is purchased on podcasting. So if you can say that X number of people have downloaded, that doesn't necessarily mean that they've actually listened to the podcast. So there's no actual mechanism right now for confirming for sure that everybody that downloads a podcast, in fact, listens to it at all. So we measure listening. We're asking people to tell us what are all of the things that you listen to. This is a couple of quarters ago at this point, but this is the list of the top podcasts, the top 25 podcasts among U.S. weekly podcast listeners. It's probably no surprise that we see the Joe Rogan experience there at the top. They are so far out ahead of the number two option there, which is the daily, that it is, it's pretty wild. I think the last time I checked, they were about 15% of the U.S. population had listened to the Joe Rogan experience in the last week, and I think it's around 8% for the daily. So almost double between the first and second contender here. We can also take this data and we can look at it by women versus men. So while we have Joe Rogan overall as the number one, if you break this out by women and men, you'll see quite a few differences. Joe Rogan is still number three among women. Uh, a lot of people struggle with that based on the kind of content that he plays, but you, you're not the number one podcast in America if you only appeal to one gender. You have to appeal to everybody in order to be number one. But you'll see here on the top, women, love true crime. So you see a lot of true crime podcasts 
Crime Junkie is number one, My Favorite Murder, number five, Morbid, number seven, and Dateline NBC, 10. So that's one, two, that's four of the top 10 podcasts for women podcast listeners are true crime. You look at our men here on the bottom, they're a little bit more focused on news or news adjacent, I would say. So you have The Daily, you have This American Life, you have The Ben Shapiro Show, which is on the conservative side, you have Planet Money, and then Pod Save America, which is a little bit more on the liberal side. So much more news focused than you see in the top 10 for women. Well, that's amazing, uh, Melissa, and thank you very much for sharing all that. It's a real treasure trove. Obviously, with a growing audience and and by virtue of your own proprietary effort, I, I'm guessing that it's going to become easier and easier to measure uh, how much people ought to be spending in this space and whether they're a provider or, or an advertiser. What is your sense about how uh, how one can monetize a podcast or do you have to get to the Joe Rogan scale uh, to truly monetize and monetize with respect to profitability? There are, are certainly multiple ways of monetizing. I mean, those that are on the top there are typically part of some sort of a network that is doing a lot of that effort for them. So you have SXM, you have Spotify, you have Audio Boom, you have NPR kind of selling their wares, if you will. That said, you can still be a very successful independent podcast and monetize via something like Patreon, where you're reaching out to your listeners and saying, in order for me to continue, you need to support. So very similar to a public radio model, but as an individual instead, kind of getting getting that to come in that way. You know, there are networks that are exclusively pay networks where you or, or shows that are pay networks that you have to pay in order to listen. I would say it's still a very small percentage compared to those that are hooking their horse to the wagon of a network that's doing that work for them. And then just the 800-pound gorilla, if that's the right way to put it, what is it that Joe Rogan's doing right other than getting Elon Musk to smoke whatever it is he smoked there? <laughs> as far as podcasts going, he's been at it for a long time. So, you know, he's had a long time to develop an audience in ways that that shows that have come across in the last five years or go are still kind of finding their footing. He also produces content every single day. A lot of these podcasts are producing once a week or even shorter. It's seasonal. Maybe they're doing eight to 10 episodes or something like that. I wish I knew. I'm not a Joe Rogan listener myself, so I I, I don't know, but he certainly appeals to a lot of people. So, Well, there you go. Yeah, Just be appealing exactly. and uh, work every day. Yeah, uh, and be controversial. We, we know that people love controversial, and he certainly is controversial. As a follow-up to your gender uh, breakdown there, we have a friend who's a showrunner for, uh, as he calls it, murder porn, having begun with America's Most Wanted and finds uh, consistent employment for cable uh, programming to uh, reenact people's murders. <laughs> uh, so, uh, and, and we asked this question before, and I wonder if you have a thought why this category does seem to be more popular with women. He surmised that maybe they envision themselves being more at risk. I would be guessing. I mean, someone must have done this research because I'm assuming it is similar with television. There must be more women watching things like Making a Murderer on Netflix and stuff like that. So, I mean, talking to friends who are into it, I think that there is a comfort in listening to that type of content and feeling like you can understand the details without it 
intruding in your life, isn't it? It's kind of the same reason why women gravitate towards reality television in general, I think, right? It's just this uh, escapism that is is very similar. Um, If you look at the true crime podcasts that are on the top of that list, for example, My Favorite Murderer, although she talks about murder cases, she's also just an extremely relatable personality. She's a young mother with children that is kind of navigating life along with running her podcast. So I think there's relatability there that goes beyond the stories that she's telling. I mean, if you think about across all categories of sort of um, different entertainment, you know, you think about old time radio, think about movies, think about fiction. Those have all been treasure troves for comparable sorts of content, right? So mm-hmm. maybe, yeah. maybe we shouldn't be quite so surprised. Or I remember detective magazines were at the comic stand back in the day as well. So, you know, given the fact that just about everybody uh, who's here who's worked in the industry uh, has worked for essentially a legacy product, I mean, legacy media. What's your sense about the chances for, quote unquote, survival for legacy media as as they look to sort of harness an audience? I think, for example, of WTOP here in Washington, which is the largest billing radio station in the country. I think they've hired a total of four people now to work on podcast only products. But it's going to be a long time before, you know, I think they're able to capture a sustaining significant audience. They did very well with a, with a series that was about a remarkable murder that occurred in the Cathedral Heights neighborhood near the National Cathedral. But what's your sense about, and I know you've got Planet Money and, and the NPR pieces there, but what's your sense about their ability to transition? I think that there is a lot of support within the industry for organizations like that to survive. And I, I, I look at NPR as a leader in that in that they're not just trying to climb up the ladder and leave everybody else behind. I think that at least when it comes to public media, that they have an interest in bringing them all together and bringing everybody together to make themselves more powerful than than just themselves. So I know that there's been a lot of conversations between NPR and, and other public media entities on how they can help each other. And radio stations that are part of larger companies that have additional podcast interests So somebody like Odyssey, who owns Cadence, for example, that's a podcast production studio advertising company. Those are the those are the places that are going to get enough support outside of their own individual organization that they may do well. I think anybody that's hanging out by themselves and doesn't have a a, a big organization to help them with the monetization and help them with the marketing is going to struggle more. What's the best way to discover podcasts that people may or not, may not be aware of? There's certainly a lot of word of mouth, social media. If you have players, those players will often serve up, you know, top podcasts of the week in different categories. Um, I think some people question the authenticity of that and that there's some maybe some pay to play going on on those those lists. And it's not necessarily the best content for you personally. Um, I what we have been finding more and more is that people are using YouTube as a discovery method, yeah. right? We go there to look for everything. So now we just find podcasts there. So there's a big push within the industry that even if you have a podcast that doesn't lend itself to video, that you do something, even if it's a static image that puts you on that platform so that you can be found if someone is searching for it. Um, and there's a lot of push pull on that. There are a lot of original creators that say, no, I'm not, I, I refuse to do that. 
And I kind of think that within the next year or so, they're going to have no choice because of how often people are using that as a search mechanism. Yeah, it was a big brushback pitch to me not too long ago when I saw the biggest uh, or the most popular uh, search mechanism for a certain very young cohort was TikTok. And I was like, yeah, oh, yeah, that's rough. <laughs> yeah, TikTok, TikTok and Instagram, too. I mean, again, if you're I right. that's why it's it's sometimes scary as a creator, because if you are an independent creator, you only have so much attention and ability to dedicate time to all of these different platforms. So when you're part of these big networks, you know, they have people that are dedicated to the TikTok portion and to the Instagram portion. So it is becoming harder to play as an independent podcaster in the space. Well, this has been immensely um, informative and entertaining and useful, and I uh, can understand why you've had such success in this space. Uh, Melissa, thank you so much for sharing your treasure trove of information and uh, awareness in this space. Appreciate it very much. Enjoy the rest of your week, everybody. You have been listening to Update One, the official podcast of the National Press Club, the world's leading professional organization for journalists and a vigorous advocate of press freedom worldwide. If you have any questions or comments about Update One, send an email to updateonepodcast at gmail.com.